I, I, I just love it. I just love being in the kitchens. I love being around the people. Um, and you know, I, I still I love to cook. You know, and that's that's in a nutshell. I know it sounds really simple, but that's that's what I love and that's what I do. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Some venues are so large, they require multiple food and beverage offerings to lure in all walks of life and create an environment that is all-encompassing. What does it take to run a large venue and keep food, the food offering exciting and dynamic? Kim Brennan is the executive chef of the State Buildings and Como the Treasury in Perth, Western Australia. Kim, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show. You're um, leading the team of an incredible venue over there in the West. How are things at the moment? Yeah, really good. Um, we've been, yeah, we're just we're having a, a cracker of a year and it's it's busy, busy. And um, we're just getting organised now for the last quarter and going into festive. But um, yeah, having four venues across the buildings, it keeps us, keeps us super busy and on our toes. But um, that's how we like it. So all good. Well, give us a sense of the scale. Like how, how many staff and, you know, what does it take to run those four venues in, in that amazing building? Yeah, well, we've got between the four kitchens and the four restaurants, um, there's all up back of house. There's about 100 staff. Um, we've got two venues, post and petition, which are, are seven days a week and 365 days a year and breakfast through to dinner. Uh, and then we're super lucky. We've got David Thompson's um, offshoot Longshim down in the in the basement, which is five days a week. And then we've got on the roof, we've got our, our kind of signature restaurant, Wildflower, that's um, in a beautiful glass box on the roof that overlooks South Perth and the river. And that's five days a week as well. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just always something going on and something happening. And um, I guess that's what that's what's kept me here, and what I, I love about the building so much is that every day's different, and there's new challenges, and um, yeah, it just you know the days go very quickly. Put it that way. So it is a stunning building and an incredible um, fit out. Tell, tell us a little bit about the history of the building. Yeah, well, the history of the building goes back to the the early 1800s, and um, it was quite remarkable it's been used as government it's been used as post office it's been used as a franking room it's been used you know there's some jail cells which you know you can still see remnants in the in the in the basement at the back of long chim um you know it's it's i think in for perth it's such a important building and all this history and um our owners were you know they were lucky enough he, he was lobbying the, the state government to you know get the get into the buildings and redevelop them but before we sort of you know, we opened in 2015 now, so it's literally been, you know, eight years to the day yesterday we opened. Um, but it was it was about, he was lobbying the government, I think, for, the building was vacant for 20 years prior to that, and then it was in construction for about three and a half, four years. Um, and we're just, yeah, we're just super lucky. I've, you know, I've been lucky, I've travelled around the world and, you know, but to come, to be able to come home and be a part of a building like this and, um, I still, I still love it. You know, I've been here since day one, and I still love it. I still spend my, you know, my, you know, if I have an evening off, I'm in the buildings, and it's just, I think it's such a unique, it's just a unique space. It's open to the public; anyone can come through. You can move between the venues, um, so to be able to have that, you know, as a hospitality 
adventure here in Perth. I think we're just we're just so lucky, and you know, I love to be a part of that. So. Are, are there challenges given that it is a historic building? You know, with what you what you can do, and um, you know how the building operates. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, we just put in a petition kitchen. We just put in a whole new hotline, and I'd love to extend that hotline and put in a sort of a second hotline, but. Because of the dynamics of the buildings, we can't put in a range hood that needs to go up through, you know, because we've got hotel rooms above us on one side. On the other side, we've got the pool and gym and we've got a, a members club. So, yeah, you're a bit restricted and in things like that. But um, apart from that, like it's, you know, it, it works pretty well now. Um, and, yeah, we're eight years into operation. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty well-oiled machine now. So. Give us a sense of your role sort of as executive chef over the sort of the whole food operations. What's what's the day-to-day like for you? So my day-to-day is, is basically checking in with my head chefs every day, my four head chefs. Um, and then I, I look after a lot of the functions and events, especially the big sort of postal hall weddings. We're lucky we've got this beautiful grand uh, room called the postal hall, which kind of connects all the venues. And you know, we do a lot of weddings and, you know, yesterday we had a, a beautiful long lunch for Perth Festival for 100 people. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 functions, events, it's working with, you know, because we are part of that hotel dynamic, we are working and we do have that support of, you know, um, of sales, of, you know, there's a whole finance team, there's a people and culture team, um, there's marketing, reservations. Um, so it's dealing a lot with the, the different departments. Um and then on top of that, I still need to oversee all the, the F&B, you know, for the hotel, for the Como side. Um, so working with, you know, food and beverage managers and the general manager and, um, you know, talking to our guests and, um, yeah, so in a nutshell, that's that's pretty much my day and going into the evening as well. <laughs> There's some pretty incredible restaurants, you know, like Wildflower and Longchim that you mentioned. But how different is the food offering for the hotel and is there a different approach with what you do for that compared to the other venues? Yeah, well, I suppose what we've tried to do over the, you know, of the evolution of the buildings and the venues is really um, nail the different concepts and make sure they sort of, they stand alone on their own. Uh, you know, when we first opened the building, post-restaurant, um, it was it was more like a European bistro, and we had tasting menus. And you know, at one point, I had twenty six chefs working in a tiny little kitchen, and um, you know, I had more chefs than Wildflower. And it was it was a bit kind of you know, it's not quite Wildflower. It's on the ground floor, it's, but it's Como, so we want to do this fine dining kind of thing. And I suppose that kind of got a little bit lost, and we were then competing against Wildflower. And then our owners. Um, made the decision to sort of turn to a, an Italian restaurant for, for post for their, the dining room that's attached to the Como, the hotel. And then so that's kind of had an evolution over the last four and a half years. Very first sort of evolution was pretty soft and put on a few passes and things like that. But now, you know, we've had evolution in the dining room. The dining room has been changed and the, the formatting of the menus and the drinks list is now all Italian varieties. And so... It's, I suppose each venue now has its own um, distinct concept and they don't sort of they don't sort of clash against each other they sort of they're completely different and then the whole idea is that you know if we lock the, the doors to the building and you're staying with us here that over a period of you know four or five days you can dine in you know there's four restaurants there's six bars 
we've got an afternoon tea lounge. Um, you know, there's there's enough to keep you going for a couple of days and keep you interested and um, and you know keep it exciting as well. Wildflower and Longchim uh, would be known to many of our listeners. Um, tell us a little bit about both of those venues and what's so special about them. So, so Longchim is uh, so David Thompson street food concept restaurant, and I suppose the whole the whole thing behind David Thompson and his brand is that we and we still do you know to this day is we get about seventy percent of our ingredients for Longchim we get via Bangkok, so. He has, he has a factory uh, in Bangkok that supports all his venues around the world. And, um, you know, I guess that's the point of difference between us and the, the Thai restaurant sort of, you know, in the suburbs or down the corner. Um, you know, it's and it's it's that quality, it's that attention to detail. Um, and then we put that with all, you know, West Australian proteins and seafood and um, our fruit and veg. And it, it's a pretty unique off, offering. And, you know, it's, it, you know... It's on par, you know, we'd like to think it's still on par with, you know, the street foods of Bangkok and the chilies or, you know, is amped up and the spices and um, I guess, yeah, that's the point of difference between us and, and, you know, another, you know, Thai restaurant. Um, And then, you know, Wildflower, Wildflower, we follow the the six seasons, the the Aboriginal six seasons and um, it's tasting menu only. Lunch, we have a small a la carte offering, um, but it's become... You know, it's it's such a beautiful dining room. You walk in and you're on the roof, and it's a beautiful glass box that overlooks the Swan River, um, and it's just such a an amazing dining room. And we've been very lucky. We've had some some great head chefs over the years, and um, it, yeah, it's been super successful. Um, and yeah, I guess you know the evolution of that is it's still ongoing as well. We've got plans next year for you know some whole new crockery sets. Um, you know, it's just it's just a beautiful venue. Um, it only uses West Australian proteins and fruit and veg. Everything's local. Everything's in WA, um, and we really want to showcase and you know showcase those to you know our guests and our guests from interstate and our guests from around the world. So. I want to explore what you're doing in a bit more detail later on, but take us back to when you were young. Whereabouts did you grow up, and what sort of role did food play? Yeah, so I grew up in the southwest in a small town called Bumbering. Um, you know, and I sort of, you know, I was, I was kind of, you know, high school, I was kind of an average student. I liked my sports. Um, but then I kind of, I had a little bit of an interest in cooking and one of my mates got an apprenticeship very early on and we used to hang out and we'd go fishing and then we'd cook up what we caught. And I think early on at home and we're always around food and, you know, mum and dad having dinner parties and things like that. And um, as I got older, I sort of, um, you know, I volunteered more to help out in the kitchen to get me out of sort of other jobs um, outside. And um, I suppose I was kind of, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was in high school at that sort of age around 15. And um, yeah, I went and did home economics and I was, you know, I'm quite proud to say I was the first male student to win top student of home economics and I just kind of found I just yeah I had some I did some work experience with some really good um you know sort of mentoring chefs back in the day this is a long time ago now but I just I just managed to you know find a did some amazing work experience and kind of put me on the right track and um then yeah I left high school and back then it was sort of you did your certificate 
you know, I, you had the opportunity to do it full time, so I did TAFE full time. I loved it. I seemed to do pretty well at it, and then I landed an apprenticeship, um, and that was two thousand and two thousand one when I started my apprenticeship. So, in those early years, what were the really important venues and people that you worked with as you started to build your career? Yeah, I think the 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 biggest one for me in the early years was was Kate Lamont, and she's a bit of a you know she's a industry legend and. Um, she's still um, someone that I absolutely love and respect and look up to and she definitely um, and her team and her head chef Nathan Lee who I'm still friends with all this time later and they it was sort of that less is more approach it was the seasonality um, it was the simple food cooked well there was no sort of mucking around on the plate and you know it's kind of it's you know, it's more in fashion and people still try to do it now these days, but she was doing it, you know, all this time years and years ago and, um, you know, she's just a powerhouse and, you know, I've just got so much respect. She works incredibly hard and, but it just, it was that first sort of, okay, like here's beautiful tomatoes, let's just do a simple salad or a beautiful tart tatten or you know it was slow cooked lamb shoulders and it was there was also pasta dishes back then and you know you know I'd grown up in a household which was meat and three veg and you know to have a homemade pasta dish in the restaurant and making gnocchi or ravioli and these sorts of things and it was just for me it was a real eye-opener and it was a real like oh wow this is what food can be and this was what food can taste like and um, from there, I, I was just hooked. Um, I just wanted to learn more. I wanted to become better and better cook. And um, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely, you know, those early days with with Kate that you know set me up on the path we're on today. Uh, you spent a bit of time in London as well. Tell us about that period of time and what was it like for you when you got there? Uh, it was it was it was rough when I first got there. It was two thousand and. Um, was it 2005 I think I was there for two years did the whole you know I finished my apprenticeship here and then I you know I didn't think I was I just thought I was I just thought I was okay I, I definitely didn't think I was anything more than that in the in the cooking world but um moving to London and I you know I did a couple of trials and I ended up at this restaurant called the Notting Hill Brasserie and it was just it was a I think a three or four rosette restaurant it wasn't a Michelin star or anything but I soon found out that I was, you know, I was a pretty average cook. Um, and I feel like that was a lot of my training on, you know, it was, you know, we had kitchens just full of amazing cooks and super experienced chefs. And, you know, I'd literally been cooking, you know, for four years in an apprenticeship. So um, it was a hard graft. It was, you know, I, I never worked, you know, those hours in my life, Um you know, but at the same time, I loved it. It was just, you know, it was a super hard and a super, you know, strict learning curve and you'd learn pretty quickly like you had to. Um, and I just worked really hard. I just I just stuck at it and um, I loved it. And I, I really feel like that sort of – that started to make me a proper cook and, you know, a couple of years there and, you know, travelling and eating and, you know um, – I loved it. Um, the only thing I, you know, it was living in a ex well, was a council flat building with three bedrooms that were really two bedrooms with a living room turned into a bedroom, and then you know people coming and going, and 
you know, that that whole situation was just after a couple of years that was just tiring. So, um, you know, the, the visa finished and it was like, what do you do? Do you stay? Do you come home? And um, I actually decided to come home and then uh, I probably regretted it for the first year, first you know, six months, but it all sort of worked out in the end. But um, it was a great time, a great time in my life. I was I was a young cook, um, so I just I just just willing to take it all in and experience as much as I could and learn as much as I could. What was it like for you when you came back to Australia? Uh, when I came back, I came back to I came back to Perth. Um, at that time, um, there wasn't a lot going on. We had none of these, you know, big city hotels we have now. Um, there was a place called uh, the Richardson in West Perth, which was sort of winning all these awards. Um, you know, there was, um, yeah, there wasn't too many sort of places. I got a job at a at a wine bar, and it, it, it was good, but I just I wasn't satisfied, and um, I just wanted more, and you know, I couldn't sort of land a job wherever I want. I thought I'd, with that sort of experience, I thought I'd be able to sort of have options at least when I got back to Perth and the options were, were super limited. So um, I was back in, I was back in Perth for less than a year and then I, I moved to, I moved, you know, I had family over east, so I moved to, moved to Sydney. You spent some time in the kitchen of Bacass with Justin North. Do you have any stories of what it was like working with him? Yeah, heaps of stories. <laughs> um, it was brutal. Like it was. So the, this what, what happened? I, I I moved to Sydney with the premise of I wanted to work for Justin. I I, I just I, I followed him. I think um, you know. I think two thousand eight. He'd won. You know, Chef of the Year and Bacass. I think was number eight in Australia. And you know, I'd followed. You know. Justin from his old days at Bank and um, I just loved that, you know, and that style of food was similar to what we were doing in, in London and I just, you know, I, I just knew that sort of, that was where I wanted to, to be but then, so I moved to Sydney and then I went and did a, I went and did a stage back then, you know, do a, do a trial and walked into kitchens and I, you know, I spent the, the whole day there and I, I came away from it and I was just like, oh my God, it's out of control. Like it was... It was out of control. There was it was just an army of chefs, and they were just you know like I remember peeling scampi to order so the guy could do a, a beautiful scampi dish, and um, you know there was pigs hanging in the cooling that needed to be butchered for service, and um, it was just kind of it was just like I was like wow this is this is I actually thought it was out of control, um, and then long story short I I didn't take the job I got a job I landed a job at Maryvale with the you know, the huge Maryvale company that it is and um, and I went and worked for them and that was another, I still see that as a, a learning, you know, process. Uh, we opened the Ivy Precinct and worked between all the restaurants in there and then did that for about a year and a half and then I was like, you know, I've, I just, I, I still had that, you know, itch that I, I, I wanted to work with Justin and then I went back, I did another trial. It still wasn't much you know, it was still pretty much the same. Um, but I was like, you know, I just got to do it. And, um, yeah, I did it. And, you know, I, I, I loved every second of it. Um, you know, I met some, some great people along the way in that journey there. And, um, you know, it was, it was one of those kitchens and it, it sort of, it, it sorted out the people who really wanted to be there and who really wanted a, a career. And, 
um, you know, we, we pushed each other to work, you know, to work super hard, but to just be better cooks. It was like, you know, I was employed as a commie chef and then I wanted to be a CDP. So I, I worked as hard as I could. I, I learned the sections. I learned how things worked. And um, it was just, it was such a great learning experience. I think, you know, we worked super hard and, um, but I, I loved it. And it was, you know, I, I remember, you know, at one point when I was on the garnish section and it was just, so, you know, there were so many elements of the dishes back then. And I think we had seven purees we had to do. Then each dish had a vegetable element. Then it had a garnish. And, you know, we were, you know, that was the garnish section. Then the meat section, once a month, would go to a commercial kitchen, break down whole quarters of beef. Um, you know, we were butchering lambs. We are butchering pigs. Like, you know, just to learn that. And, you know, that craft of all that sort of side of cooking, um, you know, the kitchens these days, we just, it doesn't happen. Um, but it was, it was just a, a massive learning experience. And um, I ended up staying with Justin right till, till the end. We moved from, he was in Clarence Street and then um, he moved to the Westfield to Pitt Street Mall and um, it was stunning venue and you know we had state-of-the-art kitchens and you know he went to japan and you know the kitchen was full of glassware from japan and you know we had absolutely everything like it was the dream it was his dream but we were a part of it um and yeah and you know unfortunately i was i was there to the end i still remember serving the very last dishes on the night um and yeah going through that whole process of you know administration and things it's it's not pretty and it you know i think justin took it pretty personal and that was my first kind of oh shit this is a business as well um but yeah it was it was interesting times and i think you know it was sort of if you put together sort of kate lamont justin north and my time in the uk and that's the sort of that's the three biggest influences on my you know becoming the the cook that i i am today so i owe him a lot you spent a lot of time with um, Peter Curavita as well. How, how did that begin and what did you guys do? Yeah, so once Bacass sort of all finished up, um, I had some, some family. My sister was living in the States, so I just took off for a couple months. Um, you know, well, actually, first I did some casual jobs around Sydney and um, and then I took off for a couple months and I managed to travel for a couple months through, through America and um, stay with my sister and some family and do some traveling and um, and then a friend from Sydney um, was already in Fiji and working front of house for Peter at the hotel and then um, yeah I just got a you know I think I I got some messages while I was away overseas and I had, I had a phone call with Peter while I was in America and then um, I came back to Sydney and Sydney was you know it was Again, it was those kind of living situations which just made it so difficult, you know, like shared apartments and I was just over that whole shared living and people coming, people going and um, I was thought, you know, I was like, what the hell, just give it a go. Um, I'd never been to Fiji before. I'd never really looked at, knew anything about Fiji. Um, I'd never worked for a hotel before um, and I'd never been head chef before but um, I was just like, you know what, let's just give it a go. Um, and yeah, and then a week later, uh, yeah, I literally, once I flew back to Sydney, I was in there for a week, 10 days, packed everything up and then um, moved to Fiji. 
Um, and yeah, like Peter, Peter was amazing. He was, um, you know, the first couple of weeks and months he was, he was there a lot and he was sort of, he was just kind of watching and, um, seeing how I'd go. And I remember, I remember after about, I think two months, six weeks or eight, eight weeks, I sort of, I got some feedback from Peter and it actually wasn't very, um, uh, very, oh, I think nice is the wrong word, but it was a bit of like a stern letter, like you need to do better. Um, and it was like you as your first head chef role, every single plate of food that goes out of that kitchen is your responsibility. And it was, it was actually a bit of a kick up the guts that was like, okay, I need to, I need to work harder. I need to work, you know, and do better and, you know, make this a, a great restaurant that it had all the bones to be. And, um, once I sort of got that, you know, kick up the butt and, you know, I just, again, I just applied myself. I worked really hard and worked with the, the local Fijians and it was, you know, it wasn't very many expats at that time. It was all local staff and, you know, local produce. You know, we used to get some beef and lamb out of Australia, but then it was all, you know, local seafood. And, um, again, I just sort of applied myself and just worked really hard and tried to make it the best restaurant we could and, you know, I had a lot of fun along the way. It's you know, it's a beautiful part of the world. You know, you know, from surfing, fishing, snorkeling, boating. Um, you know, it is, it is, it's paradise. So, um, yeah, definitely a beautiful part of the world. But a couple of years um, of doing that, and I was, you know, I started to get a bit of a an itching to come home. So. Ooh, uh, before we get into that, tell us, is there any sort of ingredients or dishes from your time in Fiji that um, sort of really stand out that you can tell us about? Yeah, I think that the fish for number one, um, you know, they're kind of, it goes through the different seasons and there's like, um, there's the Mahi Mahi season, then there's the Spanish mackerel season and then, you know, and then the villagers and the fishermen, you know, there's like, they just, so everything is either it's those two or it's snapper. And then you get all these different types of reef fish and they all just used to call them snapper, which I thought was hilarious. They say, no, no, it's just snapper. It's just snapper. But it was all, you know, the fish was amazing. Um, but I remember like, you know, when I first started playing around with dishes and ingredients, like because of the weather, the, like the chilies are unbelievable, the lemongrass, um, you know, and I, I remember we made this dish with um, some prawns and we grated fresh coconut. And because the Fijians in the, the villages, they grate the fresh coconut, they make the coconut cream and, you know, they make it in their soups and sauces. So um, I remember the first time trying freshly grated coconut and we just put some salt and lime juice on it and I was like, oh, my God, this is flavour explosion and just dealing and working with those sort of flavors and um things like bread fruit you know i'd never used before and um yeah it was it was amazing you were kind of you know and you had to work with what you got like you know you'd get a little bit of proteins from overseas but ideally you just wanted to work with what was local and um yeah the fish is amazing to this day it's some of the best fish you know they fishermen would catch and they'd literally bring it to the back of the restaurant we've got photos where they're unloading tuna like huge tunas and mahi mahi off the beach we're literally on the sand and then 20 meters away is where our restaurant was and we'd butcher them and break them all down and and serve them straight away so it was you know it was it was pretty special tell us about that 
time that you moved back home to Western Australia was was it very different for you? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I'd been away all up overseas and things. I'd been away about eleven years. Um, so yeah, I moved back in sort of um, mid two thousand and fifteen. Um, and yeah, it was it was starting from scratch again. It was um, you know I'd been away so long, you know I had to start, I was basically starting again. So even though I was coming home, to, you know, be close to family and things, it was it still felt quite foreign. I suppose um, I didn't really know much about the local, you know, the food and beverage scene, and uh, you know it was it was starting again. Um, but just to be you know, to be part of these buildings here and, you know, part of the, you know, the onboarding process, I've flown back a couple of times and, I'd, you know, I'd met the owners and the general managers and, um, you know, had a look around the buildings and I was like, it was just, you know, I was just, it, it was just timing and everything just ticked the box to be able to come home and, you know, be a part of an opening and be a part of a project like this. I was like, that's just, it's too good. Like, it's such an opportunity and, um, and yeah, and that was that was eight and a bit years ago now. So, what does it take to run a venue that's so big and multifaceted like this? I think um, I think organisation is just key. Um, you know, and you learn to. I think over the you know the course of my career, you learn to deal with a lot of people in different situations and things like that. And it's all our venues are, are different, and they're all individual and. Um, we've got four very individual and very talented head chefs and it's it's working with them and trying to, even though I don't feel like, you know, I'm that old, I still feel like I'm a young cook, but it's still like, it's still sort of mentoring and putting everything I know into helping them to achieve what they want to achieve and, you know, we just want to, we want to keep these venues evolving, we want to, we still want to keep them to be, you know, regarded as, you know, some of the best venues in Perth and, um, we just keep working with them and we work really hard but um, to be a part of this building is like I, I still love it um, and yeah it's you know it's dealing with those um, you know those four venues and the, the different chefs so it's it keeps me busy. How about from a creative and cooking perspective are you still involved in that to a degree with the restaurants? Yeah, absolutely. So, the way that we sort of way that we sort of work is with the head chefs, and they've got the concept of the venues and the sort of um, the direction and the food. But they'll sort of, you know, we'll, you know, we have our weekly meetings, and then we'll go through what we're working on and what we it's upcoming and menu changes and seasonal changes, and then um, they'll go away and work on dishes, and then we'll we'll taste them together and present them together and. We'll work on them together, and then once we we're happy with them, then we'll we'll, we'll put them on the menu. Um, you know, I'm lucky that I've got you know Welly in the basement, Long Chim. He worked for David Thompson in Melbourne before, so you know he knows that brand and that style of food. Um, I've got to be honest, Thai food. You know, I've learned a lot about since moving back here. Um, hello. Oh, sorry, totally cut out. All good. Um, and then, yeah, it's just it's just working with the the head chefs in the venues, and you know, working with them, and you know, trying to get the best ingredients we can source, and um, then we test it, and then once we're happy with it, it goes on the menu. But yeah, it's still, um, you know, I prefer to be in the kitchens rather than 
you know, doing these spreadsheets and meetings and things, but um, that's part of the job now. It is, it is what it is. So. <laughs> Uh, you've uh, been there, as you say, from the beginning, and um, it's quite a few years now. Have you changed during this period of time? Um, for sure. I think, um, for sure. Um, I think I'm more, um, you've got to just, you know, working with all the different departments and all the different people, and I think something that someone once said to me earlier on in my career is you've got to take bits of everything and Sometimes you've got to take a step back as a cook as well and see it from the other side, see it from a guest point of view. And um, so I think feedback's really important. Feedback from venue managers is super important. Feedback, you know, from our, our hotel side and working with our, our guests and, you know, our front of, front of house managers. Um, so I think I've learned to sort of, you know, take feedback on from all these sort of different people and, and just try and, run with that and work with that and just make you know make the venues and the food as, as best we can but I think yeah you've got to be open to sort of that feedback and if it was a bit like no 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 we're just going to do it my way then it, I just don't think it would really work um, we want to empower the head chefs to have some creativity and put their stamp on it as well and uh, but yeah I think that that's the biggest learning curve is, you know, learning to take feedback on, you know, from a wide range of people and not take things too preciously. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's definitely been the biggest learning curve over the, over the last couple of years for sure. Well, you're a huge part of an incredible um, offering over there in WA. What do, you, what do you love about what you do? Uh, I think it's the people. It's the people and it's the product. Um you know, I uh, I just I just love it. I, I come in the morning, I go get a coffee, and then I my first thing is I walk through the kitchens. Um, you know, I want to I want to be amongst the chefs. I want to want to talk to them. Want to see what's going on for the day. What are we working on? Um, you know, it's just yeah. What's what's next? Um, yeah, but I, I I just love it. I just love being in the kitchens. I love being around the people. Um, and you know, I, I still I love to cook. You know, and that's that's in a nutshell. I know that sounds really simple, but that's that's what I love and that's what I do. Well, Kim, uh, it's amazing to get you on deep in the weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Um, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Absolutely, thank you so much. Appreciate it. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.